Hello and welcome to Slayer Fest in 98. I am Anthony Oliveira, PhD culture critic and dumpster raccoon. And with me is the actual boss of this podcast, Ian Carlos Crawford. How are you, Ian? Hi, I'm okay. How are you, Anthony? I'm very well. It is snowing here, which is super alarming, but <laughs> but otherwise things are amazing. I think it's raining today. Yeah, today we are joined by first time guest and TV editor, Mike Patterson. Hi. Hi, Mike. Uh, and our other guest with his second appearance on the show, actor, host of Welcome to Deadcast, the Goosebumps podcast, and Halloween enthusiast, Matthew Scott Montgomery. Yay. Hi. It's nice to have you boys all here. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy oh Halloween. God. I can't believe we're joined for a Halloween episode by a Goosebumps podcaster. I want to hear everything about your podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> this is coming from a guy who sleeps with a haunted mask blanket and literally wow. has Goosebumps um, curtains. Um, and I literally fell asleep to stay out of the basement on VHS last night. I refuse to grow up. And I just won't. Are you, are you, I thought that was, I, like, that sounds amazing, but I thought you slept in a haunted mask, which sounded way more interesting. Oh, <laughs> no, but I do. I'm actually, I'm looking at my haunt. I have two haunted masks in my apartment and I have one fits and the other one does not. So wow. I do, I do currently own two of them. Wow, that's, um, I, I'm currently surrounded by three different Magneto helmets. So I understand. Sick. Having I love fixation. it. Fixation awesome. is important. Uh, on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Mike, since it's your first time on the podcast, well, official, officially, unofficially first yeah. time, wow, yeah. uh, would you like to give us your Buffy origin story? Sure. Um, so I started watching Buffy mostly because of uh, Beverly Hills and 90210. Um, Luke Perry was in that, as we all know, RIP. RIP, RIP, RIP. Oh, yeah. And he was in the original Buffy movie, which is why I sought it out in the first place. Um, but then I quickly fell in love with, let's say, the mission statement of the movie, right? Um, right. And so then when uh, a few years later, uh, it was announced it was going to be a TV show, um, I sat down and watched the premiere the day of and uh, been hooked ever since. Wow, you saw it live. You saw I like, did. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. And I grew up in, so this is kind of interesting. Um, in Vegas, I grew up in Las Vegas. Um, we got... WGN, which was a Chicago channel. Um, and so they they were the WB affiliate is what I found out later. Um, okay. And so they, uh, they would air whatever the WB was playing that night, but like three hours earlier. So I got to watch Buffy twice a day basically live oh wow <laughs> up Blast. until up until season four i believe the season four premiere was like the last episode they did and then for whatever reason they just dropped it i don't know oh uh, details about that but so then so then i had to just go back to watching it once a day live which was very upsetting <laughs> so adam sass who's a regular on the podcast yes. as well um he i forgot I think he grew up in Chicago. Yeah, Adam and I have actually, yeah, we've we've spoken about that. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, because he, he like stopped, had to stop watching in season four because right. his local station dropped it and there was nowhere mm -hmm. else to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Homophobic. Wow. How about in Chicago? <laughs> yeah. <they can. laughs> um. So we're all here today to discuss the final Buffy Halloween episode all the way. Um. Yeah, I... <laughs> mixed reviews, mixed reviews. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> I, before we recorded, when I told Matthew that I thought he was being sarcastic because he was like, oh, I'm so excited. I love that episode when I asked him to be on for this one. And I was like, is he for real? Does he love this I episode? Think it's, is this like a... I, it's my understanding, and, and, and this is this is ringing, ringing true to me. This is a beer bad of an episode where it's just like canonically known as like a, a horrible episode that people don't like. Like people just like groan for all the way. But, but I stan. I love it. Give us, be our poll star. Tell us, like, give us the reason we should love this episode. And well, I have to... That. Yeah, I have to start by saying I'm like a Dawn apologist and I, and I said this last time I was on, but I, uh, or at least I think I did growing up as a kid, I was obsessed with Michelle Trachtenberg. Like I, like she, like Harriet the spy was like one of the first movies I ever saw and it made me want to be an actor. And I was like, so when she, I would follow everything that she did and I already knew of Buffy. And then when, when she joined the show, that's when I started seriously 
watching it. And I would like go back and would watch, you know, on DVD, the old episodes and whatever. But um, so I lived for Dawn, like loved Dawn, was like so obsessed with Michelle Trachtenberg. Everyone else like Jar Jar Binks hated Dawn, but like I loved her. And <laughs> I was to have a, an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer set on Halloween with Michelle Trachtenberg in it, like hit every like, like <laughs> little kid. The Quadrant episode. Yes. This is all and making so, sense now. So at, at zero, it's like already a win for me. Like it's already like one of my favorite episodes. It, like it, the episode itself is just fine. But I also like gag for sassy teen dialogue, old man spooky red herrings, kitchen knives and uh, <laughs> Rice Krispie treats with jack-o'-lanterns on them. You know what I mean? Like lesbian witches, like all this is all very Amber Tamblin. This all right. works for me. Like it all right. ends up like being a, a good thing if, if you're me. Does that make so sense? Much- so much to unpack yeah. there. What is it about yeah. Michelle Trachtenberg? Like, what is that? You know, um, I don't know. That's a good point. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think where I grew up in the South and the and the family that I grew up in, we're very um, and the culture there is like you don't talk about things and you mm-hmm. just like pretend everything's fine and you just shove everything down and smile. Mm-hmm. And watching Harriet the Spy when I was a kid, if you, if you guys have seen that movie or remember that movie, it's very dramatic. Like in the first twenty minutes, like everyone's weeping Rosie McDonald Rosie McDonald Rosie O'Donnell like (laughs) who's her nanny like gets fired and she like cries and leaves and like Harriet like overreacts and like bullies all these kids at school and then weeps and throws things and then the cops find her and it's just very dramatic and there was something exciting about watching that as a kid because this like catharsis of like getting to express yourself in these really extreme Uh ways that I didn't have the outlet to do that and I identified with Michelle Trachtenberg so she seems like this version of me that got to do all these things that I couldn't do that's so like (laughs) <laughs> um, I used to te- I used to teach Harriet the Spy in a children's lit course, and it's like Shut. there's like yeah there's like this long tradition <laughs> of reading Harriet the Spy as like this very queer um, text. Like it's a it's a story about a girl who's like outing everybody and like learning to respect like outingness, and there's a lot of queer coding around Harriet as a character. Um, wow. And of course, the film just like amps it. There's a real case to be made for um, Michelle Trachtenberg as like a queer icon, I think. Cause like you go to yeah. Harriet the Spy, you go to Buffy, um, Georgina Sparks on- yeah. Um, yeah, that's a girl. And then she like, she has like a career with like Greg Araki making like mysterious skin. Like she's a real like- Yeah. got a good queer ally. Michelle Trachtenberg is really up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is it about Halloween that is such an appeal to you? I'm sure your Goosebumps podcast addresses this quite a bit, but I- Yeah, just, and I've yeah. also, I talked about this kind of at length. Do you guys know Dead for Filth? podcast with Michael Verratti and he does yeah yeah. I was on there talking about it as well I think it's really similar kind of themes actually I think it's and I I don't think this was conscious I do think you're like born a a Halloween person I think it's kind of like in your DNA if you like watch like old home movies of me as like a little baby rolling around like I was just like drawn to orange and black and ghosts and creepy things (laughs) in this like Southern Baptist household but I do think there is like a lot of like LGBT merit to it where it's like you know, we were joking about it earlier, like amateur night or whatever, but it's like you get mm-hmm. to, you have a license to express yourself, either be yourself or be someone else for mm-hmm. a night. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. to get to, there's something about the, like the excitement of that self-expression. And that's not only it, of course, but I do think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, All right. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because I do like Halloween, like people like you and Michael Verratti make me think like, oh, do I even like Halloween? Because I'm always like, oh, I love Halloween. But like y'all like love, love it. Um, yeah. And it's funny because at a kid, as a kid, everything scared me, like literally everything. <laughs> like my parents are both pretty nerdy. And my mom always says that like Alien and Predator remind her of her boys when they were young. And I'm like, mom, but those <laughs> movies scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> like I remember like watching Terminator with my mom. And when he pops his eye out, I was like, terrified and it's like a robot eye right it's not even like anything super like it's not like an eye being ripped out it's like a robot eye popping out and i just thought that was like the peak of like terror yeah but now as an adult i like i don't know like once i hit like my teens it was like oh i'm getting into horror movies i think like almost like buffy and like stream type movies were like Mm -hmm. my gateway into more like other types because like i mean scream is like i think of it more like thrilling but it's also it's like gore horror right um, and that doesn't scare yeah. me as much as like, you know, something with a ghost is going to scare me more. But as mm. a kid, like the ghost would like scare me too much where I would like lose mm-hmm. sleep for days. Um, and now, yeah. Would like hush and things like that terrify you? Like, see, the see, but Buffy never did. 
Okay. I think because of like, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you why. I mean, Buffy's like clearly lighter on the horror. Right. Um, but yeah, like an episode yeah, like Hush that. Felt, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Buffy never scared me though. I think that the problem Buffy, a problem, it's not really a problem, but like serialized um, horror is very hard to do because you know that actor has a paycheck every week, right? Like nothing that bad is true. Can happen to them. Right. Yeah. Whereas that, like successful horror shows like Goosebumps are <laughs> successful because they have a different <laughs> cast. They can tell a different story. Horror is such a formalized event that it sort of Hush only works because so many random extras are in it being imperiled, right? Like Olivia's right. in it. It's like, what's going to happen to her? I don't know who she is. Is she going to survive? Yeah. <laughs> I think my problem with this episode is um, it is a horror, it is a, a Halloween episode that doesn't seem that interested in Halloween, whereas Buffy's two mm, other Halloween yeah. episodes go right to the heart of like what Halloween is about, right? Like, no, I, was, I mean, it, it is like, it, like, it's not the most, like those other two are like 100% Halloweenian feel like Halloween. Yeah, yeah. This one, Halloween is kind of a, you know, like, it's, it's, it's like a, a supporting character, but it's more about like teens, you know what I mean? Like running around in a park, less right. than it is Halloween. Well, and Don doesn't care about it at all, so that kind of lends itself to the right. nature of this episode. Yeah, right. So yeah, let's uh, start with the episode specifically. I, <laughs> I think a lot of the best moments happen very early on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true too. I like the magic box being like crowded because it's Halloween. And everyone's buying shit. I like seeing Anya dressed, who looks fantastic, dressed as one of Gosh, Charlie's angels. Yep. <laughs> um. I like seeing Willow like getting mad at like witch appropriation and then mm-hmm. being like, oh, but this little girl is precious. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They, they, I feel like the story could have been better if we got more of that. Yeah. Because we haven't spent enough, especially this point in the season, we haven't spent a lot of time with any of the other characters. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What we do, um, this episode, one thing is episode, two things this episode does have though is Willow and Tara's first fight. Tell me if I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, the announcement of the engagement with Xander and Anya. You know what I mean? Like that. So when I was, we, I rewatched it this morning. I think we all rewatched it this morning or, or last night or whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh, a little bit more happens in this episode than I remember because I always think like it's the Dawn Amber Tamblin mm-hmm. Halloween episode. That's what I always think. But I was like, oh, like there is some more stuff that happens in this that like continues the narrative, you know? Yeah. Actually, I think one of its structural problems is that Dawn doesn't emerge as its protagonist until like the middle of the second act. Like mm, it's yeah. sort of, even though all that, I completely agree, all the, the front loaded stuff is really good and interesting. And like, I like the crowded magic shop and all that stuff, but it's like, oh, it's a Dawn episode. And you don't know that until very late in the episode yeah. where it's like, well, I'm off to a sleepover. You're like, oh, you are? Do I care about that? Apparently I care about that. Apparently <laughs> I care about Janice yeah. and like these like off. To, I mean, I think honestly, one of the weakest parts of the episode is how poorly cast the two guys are in it. Mm-hmm. Where it's mm-hmm. like, they're so sinister off the top, you know? It's like, they get, there's something about the way they're cast where you're like, that guy's going to turn into a vampire. You already know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did it bug you guys, the old man red herring at the beginning? Because you think he's like some child killer and then he like dies immediately. For sure it bothered me because I felt like the old man felt like a good <laughs> Halloween villain. Yes. And I was like, oh, he's kind of creepy. He has all these like toys. But then it's like my toys. They took away my <laughs> toys. <laughs> I fucking love that stupid old man. Like I love his stupid whistling and like he, he dies so soon. And like what the hell is his story there? Like when they're, they're like, it's like the Jack in the Box, that whole thing. Like, yeah. I, yeah, he definitely murdered a child at some point. Also, one of my favorite lines of Buffy ever, and I used to say it all the time as a kid, was let's get the funk out of here before Satan Claus tries to shove us up the chimney. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just, I can't not love that. I know it's like not great, but I still choose to love yeah. it. I, uh, I, I. I hate that Ian gave me this one because I, I watched them twice. And like I said, off the air, like it's not worth watching. I mean, it, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. If you like, there's anyone who worked on this episode, um, but rewatching it back to back, it becomes even more absurd because like, <laughs> like, I don't even know what his name is. Let's just call him old man, red hair. <laughs> but like in retrospect, what was he doing? Like, was he boiling 
Rice Krispie treats all day? (laughs) (laughs) And was he checking the sharpness of the knife because he knew he'd have to cut Rice Krispie treats later? Is that what, is that why he checks the knife? Like, right. We spend, (laughs) we spend too much alone time with him of him doing things that seem like a demon and or killer would do for him not to be one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wonder if he had a bigger story originally, like in maybe a first draft. And then for whatever reason, they had to shuffle things around and get to that reveal sooner and focus the episode on Dawn and her vampire love. Um, (laughs) I I actually don't think so. I I, I don't think, uh, I think it's, he he served exactly the purpose that he was always meant to serve, which was this unsuccessful (laughs) idea that like the teen boys turn out to be the big bads for the episode when you think it's, it's strictly just set up as a dumb red herring. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's all that it was. It's not super successful, agreed, but like, I don't think he was meant to do anything (laughs) I would have have liked to have spent more time with. Oh, yeah. This like actually. okay. like I do think that all of the concepts here are useful and interesting. And like I would love. Yes. Like when you're talking about like Michelle Trachtenberg having a Halloween episode, like I'm actually super into the idea of like one of the cool things this could have been is the third Buffy Halloween episode. But it's about what an actual teen Halloween is like. Yeah. And like vandalizing the town and and, like she has her first kiss. Yeah. There's like interesting pieces here that aren't as developed as they could be. And I would be totally into like seeing more of that. I also find the dialogue is actually not as sharp as Buffy can be. There's like there's like this lower tier kind of um way that sometimes the Scoobies talk that is precious for the sake of being precious rather than clever. And I feel like there's a lot of it happening in this episode. Mm. Um, let's get the funk out of here before Satan claws. Like, I see. I live. Life. I don't care. I live. <laughs> okay, wait. So, so Anthony, we're doing the thing. We're getting, we're getting out of order. <laughs> Ian gets so mad at me when we don't talk in order. Um, okay, the party. They're at the party. They're all in like costumes that are like possibly just accidents but all sort of indict like foreshadowy like xander is missing an eye and right. anya is an angel and giles right. will end the season being like a powerful wizard against uh willow and they're all willow, sort of yeah. like i didn't even pick up on that uh, um i mean it's probably not intentional although buffy does hold when she's helping giles at the register, she literally holds up a, like an extruded eyeball so maybe there was a bit of thought happening there but mm. right i always wonder about that um because yeah like the the Xander pirate thing feels like almost feels like too on the nose, but it's not. I don't know. Mm. Uh, also, I wanted to point out, I really like when on Anya is like, oh, we're going to play Shiver Me Timbers. Have you ever played a Tara? And she's like, I'm not so much for the timber. <laughs> yeah, I do love that. Also, I love is is that why you're always cleaning your glasses? Is that is yeah. the where? Yeah, that's I pretty that strong. All- all the time yeah. I work, constantly taking them off to not um, look at people <laughs> is this is dawn's this first kleptomania did she steal last season um she, she no but i think she stole i think we saw her steal one other time i think well because next episode is once more with feeling and then right. that's when it all kind of comes to a head her like stealing problem so i'm assuming we have seen her steal before yeah right yeah she mentions it later in the episode um that she used to steal lipsticks but we never we've never seen that um so i'm yeah. i'm not sure this might be the first time we're seeing it we definitely talked about it when jane was on in cuz we were talking yeah. about it's like a character trait that emerged out of a moment from i think season 5 yeah, I think so. No, no, I remember now. Jane said that it was in the sides for the Dawn character, right? That it was one oh. of the it was one of the uh, right. audition scenes for Michelle Trachtenberg was a conversation about like shoplifting. See how was, well she can steal. Okay. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was like, well, what's a teen girl likely to get in trouble for? And that's like how it emerges. And they were like, Well, what if it was like a character trait for her? Yeah, so Xander announces that they're engaged, right? No, that's um, in a bit. That's in some that's a few scenes from now. Is it not? That's after the Well, we see the misdirect and then we go to the main titles and then and then we go to yeah, him announcing it. Yeah. Oh. It's basically that scene. Oh, and Spike and Buffy flirt in the basement. Like suddenly there's oh, right. yeah. and suddenly there's tunnel access in the basement. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. seem like a great thing to have personally. But I love Buffy's confusing loop to loop ponytail things. <laughs> They're so cute, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't quite figure out how they are or what they are, but I like them. Yeah, they're like flirting. It's like weird, right? They're like suddenly actually flirting, and Buffy gets easily flustered, which hasn't happened before mm-hmm. yeah. but also we revisit that in once more feeling i mean they end up kissing but in once more feeling when she goes to like get him and 
He's like, oh, you're here to pump me for info. And she's like, what yeah, else would I be here to pump you for? Yeah. Um, oh, and <laughs> yeah. And like, that's kind of what happens here. Cause he says rough and tumble. And like, you can see that she thinks he's talking about sex, but even he's not right. Yeah. I wish he would stop putting gross things in his blood. He used to, in season four, he's like smashing Weedabix into his blood. And now he's yeah. adding that like weird, like hay, like root to his blood. Like dude, yeah. it, makes it, it makes it hot and spicy. I, I was impressed with Spike's knowledge and I thought, you know, I wanted to see Anya and Spike run the magic box together after Giles left. But yeah, I'm always impressed with how tan Spike is. So explain that. Yeah. <laughs> Checkmate. Um, yeah. So Xander announces it. It's kind of cute. They throw the party. Uh, oh, Anya and Dawn do their like dance of capitalists whatever superiority yeah, I don't know superiority what yeah <laughs> yeah i um, was using too much magic she offers to do the fantasia spell right right okay and i wanted to talk about that mm. because if we're just in the context of this episode it almost feels like they're being a little unfair but i know in the context of the season they're 100 percent correct yeah Right, yeah, I because I don't think Willow does any spells in this that are. I mean, the last one is pretty bad, the phase shifting. Right. But like, if you can decorate a party, then decorate it the saves party. Saves so like, much time. <laughs> like, yeah, like biodegradable. <laughs> I mean, saving. And the we we never got that before that that was a problem, and it really feels so harmless. Yeah. Um, and I get that because now they're doing the like, you know, Spike said it in bargaining, right? Wasn't it in bargaining? He said that Anthony was like, oh, there's always repercussions. Yeah. yeah. It, and like, maybe there should have been, you know, like, right. Like a trick <laughs> that they used later is like a plant withers. Like if suddenly like the house plants in the house died because Willow cast a spell, that would have been like interesting and like right. important uh, to remember. Yeah. It, there's mm. nothing like that here. It's like, like Tara... Um, she uh, uh, she has like a, a difficult scene in the kitchen because she has really no case to make. Like, why is it bad to have cast this spell? Uh, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's how I feel like I get a little annoyed at them. But also I think it's, it's like almost the writing conflicting mm -hmm. because suddenly in season six, there are repercussions and you can't do things like that. And you can get addicted but, all of a sudden. It's like, what? That's yes, but it feels... <laughs> <laughs> it feels weird because we spent so many seasons without any of that ever happening. Uh, yeah. Like Willow's spells would go awry, but that's why bad things would happen. Not because she did them. Mm -hmm. It's like she would mess them up a little bit or something. And then, you know, suddenly Spike and Buffy are engaged. But yeah. this feels like, okay, so like, I don't know, do that to help clean up. I also don't want to clean up. So great. <laughs> do a spell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is this the first time Tara has objected? No, she's kind of she got freaked out after bargaining, right? Like, yeah, but I mean, their fight at the bronze is their first like fight, fight. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, is this though the first time her stutter comes back? I noticed that her oh. she uh, in that kitchen scene she kind of hesitates, and then from the rest of the episode, it's it's sort of present. Um, that's oh, her speaking wow. pattern. What a neat! Mm. I, I wonder if that was a choice or scripted. That's really cool. Interesting. Didn't pick up on that. Also, this episode is the night before the musical episode, and I feel like Tabula Rass is the night after, right? So it's like mm -hmm. the next three episodes are like yeah. back to back to that's, a, that's an eventful few days. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never put together this is the night before once more with feel oh my god. <laughs> it is. Because she yeah. wakes up and unless we're supposed to understand that she's been fucking with Tara's brain a lot, but the, right, the herb right. Is but I don't think so the next day. So Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so wait, so again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, Anthony. <laughs> you mean two episodes ahead of ourselves? More interesting. We can, we can just talk about the musical episode. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Let's, let's, let's do that. Well, this is the moment where suddenly we're like, oh, Dawn matters in this episode, apparently, even though like yes. it seems like this is actually an episode about growing up and about like time to be an adult. And it's like, no, it's Dawn's turn, which is fine. It's a choice, but I feel like we could have built that in a bit more subtly. Um, I yeah. do. I also think, I mean, I have this right. Like <laughs> I'm going to, uh, when I talk about this, I feel like I sound like some kind of like person who's like, ah, oh, you should, everyone should own guns or some shit. <laughs> Dawn should be trained to fight. Like, I just feel like it makes no sense that like a functioning teenager who like, of course needs to have a life is going to go out. But like, I feel like they don't prepare her for these things and these things are constantly happening. Right. So it would make yeah. sense for her to like always have a stake on her yeah. or to like, you know, at least be as trained as much as like Giles and Xander are. 
Yeah. And then that's how I feel like I sound like a like a gun person where I'm like, be prepared <laughs> to fight. But like literally there are demons that in the street sense. in this town. <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, there's not there's not a lot of point in like being like, well, if we if they just did this, then there would be no episode. But also like if the house is so close and Buffy's so concerned, just walk her there. She's spending the night. You it's a one yeah. it's one trip. Like you're leaving the house in a minute anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, but yes, Ugh. she lies. We finally meet Janice. Um, yes. It turns out to be Amber Tamblin. Which is a weird, it's a choice that's so kind of weird that it almost gets flagged later in the episode. Like, she kind of looks so much like Dawn. Like, it kind of feels like she almost was Dawn and they cast Michelle Trackman. Like, later on in the episode, Giles saves her and he thinks it's yeah. Dawn for a second. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. what a weird choice. I don't know why this is happening, but we meet our little, like, <laughs> We made our little cast of like new teens that we're going to hang out with today and never see again. Um, the two, I don't know why you would cast these dudes and Amber Tamblin and they like go on their hijinks. I do feel like for some reason Michelle Trachtenberg slash Dawn seems so much younger than the rest of them. Like she reads a lot younger to me where it seems like Janice or whatever seems like she's like 18 and then Dawn yeah. seems like she's 14. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the guys yeah. do seem too old for yeah. her not for like amber tamlin necessarily but for michelle Trachtenberg, they do feel to me feel a little too like i see like an age difference where dawn feels like a little kid trying to keep up with these like older bads you know yeah right. yeah if, if that if the main if justin had been cast as like ben last season i wouldn't have blinked an eye right like yeah, yeah and, and it would yeah. have been it would have been nice to have that younger energy because it would have given me more patience for them you know like yeah I yeah. think that I think that I like them less and I therefore like the episode less because they're not actually compelling as characters like if the episode had spent the time to make me like these guys and then when I, the reveal happened that he was a vampire I felt betrayed that it's a better episode but as it stands they're just douchebags I have been the person who's I like <laughs> I have been Dawn in this episode where it's like the guy you have a crush on is oh, yeah. actually just a lunkhead throwing eggs at things and making you tag along <laughs> Um, yes. but, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we've all we've all suffered our evenings for straight men it's happened but uh i wish that i wish that i had gotten like a little crush on him like an off young love and then it's like oh no like, yeah right. i'm never worried for them when they're in old man herring's house you know yeah right and I, it's weird because a show that basically started out as ya should be able to do like compelling teens. Yeah. Like that was like the show's yeah. thing for so long. So it's weird that they like, it falls flat yeah. here. And I'm not sure if it's the acting a combination of the acting and the writing, but like, yeah, the, yeah. the vamp hunk dudes don't do it for no, me. No. And I wish, I don't know. He could have been, it could have been that he actually did really. I mean, he says at the end, I did really like you, but you don't really get, no, not at all. Sense? No, yeah. I don't and know. And I think that part of it is the right the acting we flagged, but I do think that like Steve Denight has his strengths as a writer and this isn't the kind of episode I want him to write, you know, like mm -hmm. he's like he writes the episodes where like they all climb in a car and get attacked by knights and he like right. makes shows about like he made like Spartacus and like like that's and did Daredevil, yeah, right? Like, that's his yeah. wheelhouse. So let him work in his wheelhouse. He's not here to write your touching YA episode, you know? So yeah. <laughs> and that cynicism Clearly. bleeds into <laughs> the episode. Like we're appreciating the sort of Baroque, like, oh, oh the old man is such a great over the top thing, but like you need a more delicate, like, Espinsonian kind of hand for an episode like this, and I'm not sure it's yes. in play. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't really read the whole idea of, like, no, that could have been Dawn's first love, but she had to kill him because he was a vampire. You know, like, because <laughs> yeah. like, there's that kind of that moment where it's like, maybe she, maybe he's going to, she's going to let him turn her because they can be together forever. That kind of, you know, like, it's like that split second yeah. moment where I'm getting ahead of ourselves again. Um, <laughs> but I feel like it's all my fault. Um, but, like, yeah, it doesn't really fully get fleshed out. Yeah, and it would have been so interesting, right? Like, if, yeah. to do sort of a Buffy Angel Redux where she's actually tempted by the offer of being a vamp. Like, yeah, what if this guy was like legit charming, super cute, and like <laughs> unassuming? The only real moment that works for me is when he says she's something special and she, you, you see her being seduced by that. Um, and yeah. then it sort of gets pulled out from under where he's like, oh my God, it's because you're the sister's, the Slayer's sister. And it's like, right. that to me is yeah. a more interesting beat to play up and would have made for like a more compelling through line. 
Um, if like she had been stuck with yeah, all these long yeah, yeah. heads, but one was like a sweet, sensitive boy, you know, like. But maybe may, I'm going back on what I just said. Possibly, maybe this is more realistic because in real life, like lunkhead status, like these guys are such douches anyway, <laughs> and like any girl who's going out to get her first kiss would like fall for whatever stupid line and not be able to see, you know, like what assholes guys are at that age. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even and even if it is coming from that point of view, I don't think that's you know, really well um, uh, portrayed or whatever as well. Hmm. Yeah, there's like, you have to pick one and it doesn't. It just sort of, it plays yeah. so tropey that it's like, well, I don't care about these people. Sure. I know I'll never see Janice again. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I love the stunt casting though. I love seeing Amber Tamblyn. She saw what it did for Amy Adams. Was this a stunt at the time? Like, no, I think this was before Joan it's of like Arcadia. Right before, I right? She, yeah. she was like a teen. Like you would see her at like a teen awards thing. Like yeah. it was that sort of thing where the thing that always still happens, where you're like, that teen is famous. I don't know why yet, but like, right. you know, like there was that moment where I like I knew who Zac Efron was, even though I couldn't have told you why. I like, could have, but it's cool. <laughs> these, <laughs> these Disney stars just sort of emerge beforehand. Selena Gomez is she the one that sang the Friday song? I'm not sure. I'm an old man, but she's famous. So, <laughs> God. <laughs> I wish it had been what's her name from the body again. Right. Oh, I yeah. so much, but whose name I've now forgotten once again. Because we already it's like okay, at least we know that's that girl was established as a friend, so we might. I mean, I don't yeah. know that it yeah. would have made her more compelling, but slightly more because it's like oh, we know this person, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they egg things. They let the air out of the tires, which is like the least exciting. I can't you imagine like that's your idea of vandalism is to slowly let the air out. <laughs> I don't know. I used to do some pretty. We, when I was in North Carolina to make our own fun, we used to drive around neighborhoods holding the horn down on our cars just to annoy the neighbors. <laughs> and then we'd have these like fireworks called Piccolo Pete's that we would set off in people's yards and drive away. We used to do some pretty stupid <laughs> shit. It does sort of have that energy. Like I do wish it had. I wish there was a more of a moment where the two girls are like, oh, my God, this is the worst. You know, like she Amber Tamlin is getting bored, she says at one point. But it yeah. really does capture that feeling like I don't even want to be doing. Yeah. This. <laughs> yeah. Dawn's like waiting for him to finish, like letting the air of the tire with her arms crossed and they're talking about nothing. You, you know, know Anthony, I, mean? I feel like that's most of our experiences with men. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I I had real flashbacks during this to like being 17. Um, getting the air let out of your tires. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's what we called it back then. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> My first kiss was a night much like this one. So This was Michelle Trachtenberg's first kiss, by the way, you guys. She tweeted about it. For real? Yeah, this is her oh. first kiss ever was on, on screen for this oh, episode. So oh, At least the guy was hot. I mean, right? Good for her. In a 90s kind of way. <laughs> I mean, I have them listed as Vamp Hunt and 1 and 2 in my notes. So, like, I don't know. Wait, okay, I'm going to be very L.A. I have stories about both of them in real life, if you Great. guys want to hear. Oh, um, yes. Um, Dave, who played Zach, so he was not the okay. Michelle Trachtenberg kissing one, the other one who ends up with Amber Tamblin. I dated his brother for a while. Um, oh. His brother's name is John, and uh, I just moved to L.A., and and I there, there used to be some gay dating app that doesn't exist anymore called Connection with an X, whatever. Mm. Anyway, I met this guy on there. We started dating, and... He looked vaguely familiar and he was, he was like, he's like, my brother is a server at a restaurant. Do you want to go out to eat? And he'll like, you know, give us dinner for free. I was like, okay, great. And this is Merrick's in West Hollywood, which is right next to my apartment. So me and John, the guy I was dating went there and his brother was Dave, who is this actor. And he came up to us and like served us dinner. And I was like, and I was like, oh my gosh. And that's Zach from all the way, you know, like in my, in my brain, I was like, oh my God, that's one of the guys. And then not long after that, I got cast. And the first thing I ever did was a Hallmark Channel movie, Christmas movie. And the casting director, his name is Amy Reese. And her brother, Kevin, plays Justin. So Kevin is the one that kisses kisses, um, Michelle Trachtenberg. So Amy cast me in this movie. I went to the premiere of the movie. And she was like... I said hi to her. She's like, oh, meet my brother. And I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Shook his hand. But in my brain, I'm like, you're Justin from all the way. You know, like, <laughs> it's in my brain. I was like, hi, nice to meet you, whatever. And then just like walked away. And I was like, I've met both of them. I've met both of them. I'm living in LA in my dreams. Um, so like- I was back- kind of hoping he'd be gay so that Michelle Trachtenberg could have like- 
queer icon status. Oh, no. No, they're both straight and and perfectly fine and just fine in real life. Um, Probably still letting air out of tires. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) probably. And you were like the perfect person to meet them because I don't think I would have had that. I I would have been like, he looks familiar, but from a very specific Buffy episode, no way. You should have gone nuts. You should have been like, oh my God, you're from Buffy because like they're not getting Do you think they would have remembered they were in Buffy though? I mean... (laughs) All right, we are getting off subject. (laughs) We are talking about the eggs they threw. Yeah, that's on topic. I am not that bad this week. Um, Anthony, I love having you co host. Okay, so they go to the house, they get invited into the house. It's actually one of the better beats because, like, you could miss the fact that he had to invite them in. Oh, I also miss, I miss that. Oh. I miss that. Yeah. This is what happens um, when you watch it two times in a row. Very good. Yeah. It's, he's like, come on in, kids. And it's like, oh, he got fucked right there. Like, it's it's a nice little. Also, you literally caught her trying to smash your pumpkin and then you invite it's, her in. Really? Yeah. Also, he yeah. says, yeah. Um, um, daddy's got a treat. Is what he says. I know Rice Krispies, yeah, and he literally yeah. means I have a, like Rice Krispie treats. But like saying Daddy's got a treat is just so gross. I don't know that he's been yeah. boiling all day. I'm still yeah. not in that pot. Um, you got to get those marshmallows really. I still gooey. love it. I still love all of it. He is a Goosebumps villain. Yeah, that's probably yes. why. Can you guys see though? Yeah. Like this, like all that stuff is just straight out of Goosebumps. That's why I yeah. like it. But, okay, so here's where <laughs> I think the episode would have been more interesting if okay, keep the the vamp hunks as vamps, but also make the old man also be a villain, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that would have been a more uh, interesting episode if they get in there. Yeah. He tries to like totally I don't know, eat, murder, cut up, whatever. One of like the guys first finds out the guy's a vampire and then his whatever demon like warlock whateverness comes out and then it's like oh they're just kind of like fighting in this house and Don and Janice have to like get out and that's when Buff- that's when yeah. Buffy Spike and yeah. Giles save them or maybe like if we wanted to play up the the Dawn Angel Buffy Redux thing like the vampire saves her from something and then yeah. it sort of becomes like, then there's something like, no, I want to go all the way with you. I want to like do this thing and make her like, that's an interesting Dawn sort of suffers for not having a storyline this season. And that kind of might be a fun one sort of like, it's kind of a version of what Riley was doing where it's sort of like the temptation to like to find a route to empowerment that mm-hmm. isn't available to people like Dawn. I think that would have been interesting, but Especially since she's coming off season five where she was like literally the key to all the universe. And now it's like, now you're just a teenager watching some dude let the air out of a tire, you know, like. Downgrade. <laughs> anyway, okay, so they head to the, um the wait, no, they're engaged. Giles starts stressing Xander out. Um, He can't breathe. Also, like when I was a kid, I had like real like, Xander's such a douchebag. But now that I'm a grown ass man, it's like, he's like 20 like maybe you don't have to get married like maybe Uh, a lot of this season feels weird to me like like everyone's like Buffy needs to stand on her own two feet and be a good mom and I'm like she's 20 yeah (laughs) I don't so young right I couldn't have done any of that shit at 20 like I barely know how to do these adult things at 36 let alone if I was 20 and like had to figure out the taxes on a house give me a break yeah and the leave yeah. in the basement all that stuff like uh... yeah, i don't know how to do that shit <laughs> we also we also like, learn in this scene that um anya and xander aren't living together um right which i thought was really odd um because I, I know we've seen oh. her apartment in season five right like buffy versus dracula yeah or yeah. Uh, or the episode after um but i assumed they were living together now um it i don't i just i thought that was a yeah. weird detail it is He's not in the basement anymore. No, he's at no. They have. He bought the apartment in the replacement in the beginning of season right. five. Um, oh, yeah, and right. we hadn't seen. I just wasn't mentioned, and I, I even rewatching it that caught me off guard. I was like, wait, they're not living together. Well, the next morning they wake up together, or two mornings from now, I guess, for once more feeling in red satin pajamas in the house or the apartment. Yeah, right. I I thought it was I thought it was understood that when he bought the place, she moved me in too. with him, and it seems so strange yeah that. That did not be the case. But yes, she's like, she's giving her like everything has worked out exactly as I dreamed speech. Um, It's and it is it is a sad story. But now that I'm now that I'm grown, like all of this season six looks very different to me. And one of the ways it looks different to me is like, Giles, you could probably help like you could like his frustration having to like discipline Dawn. It's like Buffy is quite traumatized. And I don't think 
the solution is to abandon her and make her stand on her own two feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Right. And we will get there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that like are weirdly suddenly expected of Buffy when it feels like Mm -hmm. this would be difficult for her under like, quote unquote, regular circumstances, but also she just came back to life and crawled her way out of a literal (laughs) coffin. So maybe like give her some leeway here. Uh, I mean, as Kirsten White always says, the watchers really should have had a stipend for the Slayers. Like it makes no sense that they didn't, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because this feels like something that would happen to a Slayer, right? If they're 20 or they're becoming an adult, slaying is their full-time job, right? Like that is a job. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. So do we even see the vamp kill the old man? He just runs out, right? And he's like, dude, that guy was rank. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was good, Matthew. (laughs) Thanks. You must be an actor. (laughs) Steven tonight's scripts always talk about how people taste. Like it's always about every time someone bites a vampire, it's always like we get like, like a rating, we get a feedback and come to think of it. That's also what, spike is doing like he's thinking about like spicing his blood mm. so it's like this is a thing i guess yeah um i think that this strange energy even the daddy stuff is like denite sort of plays on those sort of snme kind of energies that don't really fit this ya story mm. but um i'm not surprised to have it here but then like to have that character say that prejudice us against him so much you know like i just don't i don't understand what the climax of this episode is supposed mm-hmm. to be I don't um, think they know. <laughs> it's all about Willow and Tara. The climax is Willow and Tara. <laughs> right. It kind of is, though. Like, this This also, like, Ting brings us to the, the bronze scene, right? The actual moment where I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe don't don't shunt people into an alternate dimension for a second. <laughs> I feel like that might be a mistake. Um, I like when she mutes the crowd, though. There's I've been at more than a few parties oh, where yeah. I wish I could oh, do my that. God, yeah. Like, yeah. I just need a second. Yeah, she just so nonchalantly says that about the alternate dimensions and it's like who who is this will yeah. i don't i don't recognize mm-hmm. her um it's i weird. will point out too um one line i do not like from this episode Uh-oh. is when willow and tara are talking and she goes you know whatever some hot mama grew out of these geek infested roots and she's like fested roots are you trying to turn me on that makes me feel sick <laughs> i don't know why i just don't yeah. like that line <laughs> she hates it maybe that's well, even <laughs> it see what i mean like once you start noticing it it's like the timber thing like there's a lot of like you're actually right. You're so right. The Scooby's talk in a spicy way whenever Denite's writing the script in a way that doesn't actually feel sometimes in character with the way I think of them in mm. my head. Um, which who am I to say that? But like, yeah, like it, I'm, it's it's very sexual a lot in a way that doesn't always sit right with me. I remember as a kid watching that thinking I was missing something. And it, I was like, that has something to do with lesbian sex that I do not understand. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it does. None of us will That's ever true. know. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I wanted to talk about, let's talk about their fight. So we find out that Dawn has lied and is actually like, you know, out with Janice. Giles, frus- like the frustrated line of it's always nice to be kept in the loop is really good because that reinforces like frustrations that lead him to leave again. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want to be the dad to everyone. He does consider Buffy his daughter, but not the rest of them. And so, yeah, we already have an old daddy in this episode, <laughs> so we don't need another one. So the fight Willow and Tara have again, I think it just still does feel slightly unfair. The different dimension thing is like, okay, not that, but maybe do something else. It feels like, mm-hmm. you know, Tara made a big production earlier about saying like, oh, but when we're using it to help people, isn't finding Dawn a helping people kind of thing? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't like, I particularly dislike Tara's line where she says, there's natural ways to do this. Because I think that an actual practicing witch would not draw a distinction between their witchcraft and the natural. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that she would understand it as being about sort of directing energies that already exist. Good point. I feel like she really struggles throughout this episode to articulate an actual critique of Willow's magic use. Because I think the season. struggles to articulate a critique i think when when willow's problem is at its most interesting and clear to me it's about a very type a personality inflicting their will on reality and i think that that is actually what the problem with willow is she's become sort of a megalomaniac and she wants buffy to be alive and so buffy is alive and she when she snaps she wants to punish the world for tara's loss 
And so she will punish the world mm -hmm. for Tara's loss. And it's like, I'm much more interested in that storyline. And I also like it better than the sort of very tropey, like a woman has lost her mind and she's addicted right. to her like powers. Mm -hmm. like, that's that to me is a story that's been done to death and is not very interesting, especially in the very flat, like, oh, who's your dealer kind of way. Yeah. That, this season ends up articulating it. I would have liked to have seen the end of the season. When it works, it's about like grief gone yes. haywire. That's when it works best, I think. Yeah. The, that's why the fight in the bronze works to me in a way that like decorating does not, you know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, because yes, I, I mean, because right, like her saying slip them into a different dimension is like a whole like that seems very unsafe. Mm -hmm. uh, like not even for the like repercussion thing that they've suddenly added. But even just as like a, but sometimes these spells go wrong. So maybe let's not put everyone in a different dimension where like we could lose them forever. Mm -hmm. Like her concern over that specific spell makes sense. But it feels like they could say, okay, let's do a locating spell the way we do it with each yeah, other. Right. You know, like that's a thing we do. So let's do that. Like that seems like that would be okay. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it would also fall into Tara's category of only using it when it's like you have to help people. I wanted to point out, Anthony, I'm surprised you didn't. So Willow mm -hmm. uses this spell to mute everyone, Sakat, which is silence in Arabic. And when Tara unmutes it, she says, Takalam, which is talk in Arabic. And I like oh, those. Uh... Why? I don't know Arabic. Why would... <laughs> <laughs> I only know that because I looked up on the info page on the Bobby oh. Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, I'm really disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow, I have to brush up on my Arabic. Wow, You're not flexing Anthony. that big brain enough, Anthony. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> um, I'm meanwhile looking at Stephen Denight's episodes, and uh, he does, uh, for example, his is the episode where Katrina gets, um, like, her, her she gets turned into like the the maid oh, yeah. oh like that, wow that sort of gives you yeah that's, that's like informative how yeah it sort of tells you like the textures he's like that person the person who can write that episode which is very effective insofar as it is sort of like when she accuses them of doing what they've been doing to her i think that's so powerful that like, yeah. punctures punctures so much of the fantasy the grossness of the trio but like that's sort of the the, the modality he's used to working yeah. on and it's sort of it doesn't work here mm. yeah i I think what you said, um, Anthony, like Jaina Spenson would have been a good choice to write mm -hmm. this episode. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think she could handle the like cuteness. And she, I think she actually is very good with writing Dawn. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. her and Joss, and there was someone else yeah, Joss. that I, that like are the best at writing Dawn with like out her being, they can balance the, oh, she is annoying, but also she's a real person. Give her some slack kind of thing. And yeah. also if you want to tell like a gothic um, like, oh, this teen is being seduced by a vampire. Like, that's Marty Noxon's whole deal, right? Yeah. Like, give it to someone who wants to, I don't know. Anyway, um, I just think that there's some tidying that could have happened here. Uh, speaking of, like, Giles getting ready to be sent away, watching this back-to-back, -back, like, he has so much action in this final sequence, mm -hmm. like, an alarming amount of it. And, like, now I realize, oh, it's because Anthony Stewart Head is leaving and they want to give him, in the same way when Tara's leaving, she gets, like, a, a final moment. In the same way when Charisma Carpenter is being written out, she finally slays a vampire. Mm -hmm. Like, suddenly Giles is, like, kicking ass and taking names for, like, 20 minutes at the yeah. end of the yeah. It's, like, taken with Giles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is a good dad, bad dad thing happening here, isn't there? Also, mm -hmm. I love him in the cemetery oh and him just, like, narrating what's going on and then he falls over over because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I i think frustrated i mean the same way i love giles when he has to be paired with anya or cordelia i love a frustrated giles oh, totally it's the best because anthony i think anthony stewart head is like a really good actor and he plays giles so well and it feels out of character but we know that it's not for him to be a little shitty when he's annoyed <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> and like a sarcastic bitch yeah yeah, like, yeah. Sassy giles is my favorite mm -hmm. i yeah i love it <laughs> like you said he mistakes janice for dawn and then he saves her we don't see janice again nope. mm -hmm. uh she just disappears <laughs> and dawn will have new friends next time we meet any of her friends she's so lucky yeah. i think and then they disappear <laughs> i know right that sounds great <laughs> please go away or die <laughs> <laughs> the the death of the the lunkier of the two i it has my favorite weird trope on buffy where like vampires can be killed with a stake through the heart but they also seem like particularly susceptible to being punctured with wood like that guy falls on like this like stumpy little branch and he's like oh no right through the heart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like balloons whenever a piece of wood is around it's just yeah like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
That's um, a really good comparison. That they are like balloons. It's like yeah, they just like if there's a stick, it doesn't matter how sharp it is, they will fall on it and it will completely destroy them. Like a sternum is not an easy thing to puncture. But <laughs> <laughs> so then Giles goes in to save Dawn. All the cars park. Many cars show up, which I feel like is cheating. Like you can't just add reinforcements out of nowhere in your script. Yes. Like if you don't have the, it should be. As much as they want to give Giles a moment and Buffy a moment to shine, like I think this episode would be way more compelling if Dawn like had a terrible final girl sequence in the woods, oh, yeah. killed this guy, and then we never she doesn't even mention it. Oh, that would be so <laughs> great. Never, yeah. Like her little Zeppo moment. <laughs> that would be so great. I think that would be way more interesting than like suddenly twelve cars unload, Spike and Buffy show up. Oh, that's up. so like, much better. Really You're so right. I'm envisioning it. It's so much better. Yeah. I uh, mean, and then she just comes home and she's like, oh, well, like, I think that would have been a way better, stronger. And then you have to decide what it's about. Is it about like her versus like this toxic lunkhead or is it about her actually being tempted by like a sweet boy who wants to be a vampire, who wants her to be a vampire? Yeah. But it's not kind of neither of those things. It turns into a very rote action sequence yeah. with some actually quite, I hate the moment where Buffy's like, is anyone here just to make out? And like this, these two extras who can't speak and who don't seem to understand even what genre they're in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little sticky at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care for it. I see, um, I like, I appreciate that moment, but yeah, like, those extras look like completely clueless as to what's going on. They don't even look like extras. They look like they yanked them off, like PAs that they yanked on, on set really quick or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't react in their faces. They don't, yeah, I don't, I'm like, what's going on? Um, But I, I appreciate that bit. I like, when Buffy and Dawn are arguing that every time Vamp Punk is like, oh, but I did like you. They're like, shut up. Yeah. No, shut up. Like, and their delivery weirdly reminds me of Liz Lemon when she's like, oh, everyone shut up. Like, it reminds me of that. So I like mm -hmm. it. Yeah. The, uh, the fights are okay. Uh, they go on really long. I, 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 I also noted Anthony that uh, who wrote this episode because he wrote Spiral, which has that great RV chase scene with the horses. Right. Mm -hmm. And it almost felt like, oh, well, let's have another giant set, you know, and it yeah. just it yeah. goes on for so long. It doesn't, it's not directed to do anything. It also has beats that, again, like I watched this twice, like there's a moment in it where Spike fires wildly with his random crossbow that mm -hmm. he has. And the only reason he fires wildly is so that we understand there's a random arrow somewhere for Dawn to find when she stakes him at the uh -huh. end. Like, it has pieces in it where it's like, we didn't need all this. <laughs> you know? Like it could have been, it actually would be better if it had been written to be a, a fight of dialogue where the threat was sort of like, it almost needs to be more of a conversations with dead pe people kind of mm -hmm. moment where it's like, Dawn has to be, there's no seduction for Dawn here. Mm -hmm. um, that, that would have made it an actually compelling, like I don't come out of this feeling like I know Dawn better. And I like Dawn. I do. I'm not, I'm also a Dawn apologist. It's just like, I don't learn as much about her in this episode as I could have. Well, I'm really mourning the loss of this narrative that we've just created. We, Anthony, you just created about Dawn taking her own like agency and solving this by herself in the wood. You know, like that. That's yeah, yeah. It sort of picks up what Ian was saying. Like she should be trained, and it's like, well, then let's actually put her in peril. Let's actually see what she's made of, and like let's see that she actually can stand up for herself in ways that the gang is not appreciating or noticing yeah. because. Like her song next episode is Does Anybody Even Notice? And that would be stronger if she was literally not noticed to be in peril in this episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be. You're right. Well, and even she doesn't even need to be trained, but like she's a Summers, right? Like all these women have sort of like just these instincts. Even Joyce has like, you know, she hit Spike over the Get head the with an axe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, so Dawn should be able to do that too. And she doesn't. And it, it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't mind the like, prolonged action scene i kind of you know of course me i'm like ooh. when spike says he's the rebel and shoots him with the arrow i'm all like getting the vapors <laughs> but who is that guy like, <laughs> like who is this face off with why why do these teen vampires have this like 40 year old balding friend who's like just wow. pours out of a yeah. car like <laughs> also spike totally broke the rules on halloween in season two i don't that yeah yeah it's also mm -hmm. just he, he for sure broke yeah. his own rules <laughs> Well, also, I, and I wanted to point that out, in the beginning of the episode, when Buffy tells Giles she might patrol, Giles is like, oh, it's Halloween. Nothing ever happens on Halloween. I'm like, hello, what yeah, show yeah. have you been in, Giles? <laughs> but I wanted to 
mention Buffy kills a vamp by closing a door on its yeah. head. Oh yeah. Which I, the like again, they're like little balloons. They just sort of <laughs> <laughs> she's super strong. It's true. Is that how a car door would work? That's not how. Yeah, a car door wouldn't do that. Like it just wouldn't, right? <laughs> I thought it was cool. It's one of the. It's a very scripty mm-hmm. thing. Like you put it in the script. Like he kicks him and he he lands on a thing and he she closes a door. It's like in reality, like. Okay, maybe if it was the door part, like if the window was open, but it's at the bottom. It's yeah. like that's like a blunt injury. You can't blunt injure someone's yes. head off. Mm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it had been a while since uh. I've seen this episode too. And when I rewatched it, I was like, "Does she kill him with the antenna?" Like I, I, I couldn't mm. remember. And then I was thankful that it was a car door. So there we are. <laughs> <laughs> so they win. Dawn has to slay this guy. There, there's really not. The emotional beat that they want there to be when she does that yeah so then we get them at home right they're recapping the events do we think buffy knew this is the thing i was wondering do we think buffy knew what she was doing when she was like i'm glad you're here to handle it giles and like immediately runs away or like what's going on there i think it's the latter i think she's just tired and doesn't want to, have to deal with it and is not i don't i don't think there's like a conscious skirting of an issue of anything like that i think she's like oh he'll he'll get it he's the you know he's dad good night like that's i think it's more that i think she's sarah michelle geller is doing a good job sort of portraying a numbness mm. throughout there's a, yeah. a an interesting moment i've never caught before where she's just before she stumbles upon the dead um the car the carjacking victim um she watches a couple go by and she just watches them hold hands and it's like an interesting like interesting it's I've never noticed it, but it's why she actually stumbles on the carjacking is she's sort of low key following this couple for like half a block. Um, and it's like, oh, she's like trying to access emotions she just can't quite get to. And it like speaks to what's going on with the spike stuff mm. without saying too much. Yeah. Um, but I think she's doing a good job sort of you can sense her frustration that she can't even access her full like emotional palette in a way that I think yeah. is kind of neat. Mm. And it's a hard, it's a hard fight because like you can tell it's like, well, you have this many days to get uh, Anthony Stewart head off the mm-hmm. show, and you have to sort of manufacture a reason for him to go, and you can't kill him because um, everybody's too traumatized from death between <laughs> Joyce and Buffy, so he has to have a reason to leave. And I'm, to be honest, I've never been fully satisfied with his reason for leaving, mm. um, but he's doing his best. Also, if Dawn had gone off by herself and handed it on her own, we wouldn't wouldn't have given Giles much to do. Well, I mean, I agree, Anthony. I mean, Giles leaving because uh, like his like almost like his tough love bid like throw at Buffy, right? Mm-hmm. It's and it the reason it doesn't quite land is because she just came back to life. Like, mm-hmm. give her a fucking break. Yeah, the poor yeah, time. It's not even a month, really. All right, so oh well, then the very end of the episode is. Willow doing this spell to erase Tara's memory of their fight, Mm -hmm. which one doesn't, it wasn't a well thought out bad plan to begin with, because like, I don't know, they just like leave it there. And then like, it feels like obviously Tara would find it and figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't understand. Okay. So they erase that fight, but Tara clearly would still be nervous about Willow's magic use. Mm-hmm. So like even yeah. if she hadn't found out about this, they still would have had that fight like ten more times. I actually kind of like the idea that like, well, has this happened before? Like there is sort of like not to have noticed it's the next day, the musical. It's like, well, maybe she's fucked with her before. And actually that's Tara's exact anxiety, mm-hmm. right? It's like, yeah. how many times has my personality been rewritten? As Tara will eventually say, like, that's what Glory did to her. She violated her mind. Yeah. And like, as much as I feel like Giles's reason for leaving is sort of maybe underbaked, Tara's is so good. Like the and the yeah. the need yeah. to just get out of there right away, I think is so compelling. Like so there's a real terror there um that I find really fascinating. And like the psychological horror of it is really quite quite compelling mm-hmm. to me. Yes, I agree. Um are we at the end, Anthony? I think we're at the end, right? Uh, that's the last beat, right? Yeah. Maybe something good to eat. Great. What's your favorite scene, Matthew Scott Montgomery? Oh, I I, I had to pick one. Kidding. Um, <laughs> um, I like any of the stuff. Oh God, I was gonna say any stuff with the old man. Um, I but I think that's true. I mean, I like um, I that the Satan Claus line really gets me good. Um, and there's something spooky and it feels the most Halloweeny at, at those points. 
Um, I also want to give a shout out to the line definite wallow action, which I love and Dawn calling herself a kiss slut in the car. Um, <laughs> I think those, bo- those are both hidden little gems. Thank you, Steven. Um, but I'd have to say maybe like the stinger right at the beginning with the old man going to the house. Um, and then when they're all inexplicably in there and he's like, my toys, like that whole thing. I just like that because it feels like a goosebumps episode in Halloween. So I'm going to vote for that. All right. Uh, Anthony. Um, it's not my favorite favorite scene but it's if you were like you can rewrite one of these scenes i would want to do the makeout scene in the car because mm. i feel like that in, in as much as this the episode has an engine it's in that scene um so if it worked better then that would be the one uh, a scene i actually like um <laughs> i like <laughs> i like the little cute little witch at the beginning i think that that's there's there's something it's just charming it's a nice little drop in mike what's your favorite scene i think my favorite scene is uh xander telling everybody about the engagement um Mm -hmm. mostly because it's i think it's the last time they're all happy um in this season i don't know i I might be misremembering um i actually thought it was pretty sweet uh despite what eventually happens to anya and xander um it's like their last little cute moment um and i liked it and giles made me laugh in it with his cleaning of his glasses so <laughs> uh i think my favorite scene is the opening in the magic box i just really like watching them all like they're busy but they're not like upset and like they all get to have like cute beats um i like that um favorite outfit anthony uh the charlie's angels outfit is the best outfit in the in the episode um, mm-hmm. uh i also like the the i i live for the um the Sunnydale Letterman jacket that Don gets to wear. I, I want that. Mm, yeah. It's not really on trend in fashion right now. It's a bit too big, but um, I love that. I've always, I always, I had that, you know, teen boy fantasy of like, what if a boy gave me his jacket? Just, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the Charlie's Angels thing is so rocking. Like she looks so good. I don't know if wearing roller skates like is like high heels where just like your body looks amazing in them or what, but she looks <laughs> so good. I wouldn't want her rolling around on my hardwood floor in them, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matthew? Um I will. I want to disagree, and I think the big jacket is on trend. Actually, for thinking Ariana Grande, and you can't. I can't wear big, big enough clothes for myself right now. Um, but I do. Oh, I, maybe it's just because I'm not. I don't have the body to be like slouchy looking. Like you gotta. Don't get addicted be... to your story. You don't know. <laughs> um, uh, I would say. I just want to give a shout out. I love this. Um, in especially in season one and season two, there's kind of like a, they kind of go stark raving mod with their fashions because it's like sixties is the nineties kind of thing. And Janice Mm. serves us a little bit of like late sixties, early seventies where she's basically wearing bell bottoms and like a really low cut kind of low rise jeans that were very like early two thousands and a set like early seventies kind of way. Um, I think she's wearing like a big like trench coat of some kind. Maybe she, I just remember her like serving like, like, early 70s realness um and i thought that was kind of cute mike uh, mine's also anya in the charlie's angels outfit um i do want to say though yeah. i hated that jacket buffy's wearing at the end i thought she looked the worst she's ever looked oh yeah yeah oh i don't even remember it what is it <laughs> exactly you're watching yeah. Good for you. <laughs> it's like a khaki trench yeah. coat yeah oh, it's just yes, it's awful the khaki trench coat yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, same, Charlie's Angels. Okay, what grade do we give the episode, Anthony? <sighs> I like we've sort of been saying throughout. Like there is, there are better episodes trapped in the amber of this episode. Oh, Amber Tamblin. I did not mean to do that. Oh, <laughs> there's like writer. <laughs> so I'm sort of frustrated with it on that level. But to me, it's like a C plusy kind of episode. I'm not sure what it's about. Okay. I'm not. It moves some pieces on the board, but it doesn't have a thing that it wants to say. Um, so it's sort of it's a bunch of little pieces. Like there's a good fight here between Tara and Willow, and like there's some interesting stuff moving Xander and Anya's plot along. But otherwise, I don't think it amounts to much, which is unfortunately kind of true for a few episodes in season six, where it's like like I the season six is the first season where I have trouble remembering what specific episodes are about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh Mike. 
Um, I would give it a C. Uh, I agree with that. I think if you take out the Halloween aspect of this episode, like, what is this episode? And it's about mm-hmm. Dawn, but it's just not very interesting, unfortunately, because I like Dawn, but I don't think she gets uh, the service she deserves here. Yeah. In more ways than one. Dawn is not a bad character, but she doesn't have a lot of good episodes, and so people think she's mm-hmm. a bad character. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Matthew, um, what's your grade? Yeah, even though I stand, I, I do I do agree with a C plus or a B minus. Um, I mean, like, I, I watch it, you know, annually. Um, I actually posted on my Instagram me watching this last Halloween while I was carving pumpkins. And some local on my Instagram <laughs> commented, was like, are you watching Ice Princess? I was like, nah, bitch. I'm watching fucking all the way. For- <laughs> like, what are you like, in your brain? You know what I mean? Um, Ice Princess. Yeah. So like, like, Ice Princess in October? Think about what you're saying. Um, uh, I literally, as I'm sitting here, I'm staring at my Ice Princess DVD, but that's besides the point. Um, uh, yeah, even though I stand and I watch it every year and I, I love it, it, I I would say C plus on a bad day, a B minus on a good day. Wait, so is Michelle Trachtenberg a skater too? Um, yeah. she, I mean, in I so, in right? Ice Princess, it's a lot of stunt doubling, but she can skate a little bit at least. Because I don't know if she's like a skater the way that Sarah Michelle Gellar was. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like we could have had like a an Ice Capades episode of Buffy that would just never land. Like, <sighs> fail. Oh my god. Major <laughs> fail. Um yeah, I give it a straight C. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for listening. If you like Slayerfest 98, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other places. You can subscribe to our Patreon. And if you like us, you can follow us on Twitter at SlayerFestX98. And if you want to follow me, I am at IanXCarlos on all platforms. Anthony, where can everyone find uh, you? I am at Mia Koopa. Uh, it's a Latin joke, which is a language I'm much more comfortable with jokes in than Arabic. Uh, <laughs> oh, see, fuck off. <laughs> M-E-A-K-O-O-P-A. If you, I just I mean, followed if you, you heard literally me right now. This episode, oh, there you go. I got one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mike, where can everyone find At you? Michael Ryan P on Twitter. Um, and my website is MikePattersonEdits.com. And Matthew, where can I'm everyone find you? following everybody right now. Um, <laughs> my Twitter is iRobotUJane. Yeah, you heard that right. Um, yeah. My Instagram <laughs> is Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery. All right. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone. For, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you all next time. Woo! Bye.